You guys, welcome to episode 37 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. I'm your host, Troy McGee. And if you are like a functioning member of our Facebook group and also just like listen to Emotionally Broken Psychos, you probably know my friend that I'm recording with here today, Leslie. Um, Leslie, Hello. introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Leslie Lepowitz. <laughs> how's how'd that go that was per- I, I mean i couldn't have done it better myself really thanks thanks <laughs> yeah. so you brought up a couple to me that like i would have never it's weird because i would have never like thought really to record anything about them and then i don't know this was kind of a blind spot for me like i knew that they had a really tumultuous relationship and or more so just like a tumultuous divorce but i didn't know like, yeah the levels of it and like i'm so <laughs> happy that you introduced me to this my entire life is different oh i'm so glad i could rock your world as mine was rock as i was following this as it was happening and now we get to relive it together and i learned a lot of other things as i was researching this as well so um yeah so lesbian drama at its peak. <laughs> well we're gonna be talking today about melissa etheridge and her uh now ex-wife tammy lynn michaels um yep. I mean, here's the, th- the facts. When it comes down to it, what for what I need for this podcast, the lesbians just tend to bring it. Yes. I mean, I honestly I was texting you about this the other day, but I kind of feel like Alice Piazeki and we're like recording an episode of The Chart. Did you ever watch L Word? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> as I was researching this, I was like, oh, wait. And then this this person started dating, and then they, they had kids with this person. It was it just like, it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. There's a lot of, like, immediate marriages, which I love. You know, like, that is, like, one of the things I support about the lesbian community. 100%. Just immediate commitments. <laughs> immediate commitments. <laughs> <laughs> like, an immediate, just, like, wholehearted, like, just commitment, like just devoting your life to somebody immediately. And like, they just, they moved on in these relationships so fast. Like they met, immediately got married, broke up, immediately got married. Like it was just like, see ya. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is your, I guess I should start by asking, like, what is your sort of like relationship to nineties Melissa Etheridge? Like, did you, what do, what do you feel? I mean, she was one of the few, I mean, I grew up a lot in the Facebook group about things like lesbian representation in the media. As a lesbian who's married, I don't think there's a lot, if anyone to relate to on TV. I talk about how there are some straight couples that have good lesbian relationship moving. Like, you know, I joke about like Tom and Ariana from New York Rules or like when Adam and Carol were together on New York. (laughs) But we don't have a lot of like, we do there isn't a lot of modeling so i was into her music she's super fucking talented of course which you can relate to as when i brought this up i didn't realize that you were as big of a fan as hers bigger or equal to hello Duff? um you know it's hard to say melissa was really a part first of all i just said say like like a dorit sometimes i find myself mm-hmm. when i listen back to this podcast like i have a little bit of a dorit accent for, to me like, yeah, I, just I love that randomly get a little bit cogni um but no like growing up melissa etheridge was like a huge part of my like i've joked on this podcast about how i as a young boy went through a little bit of a lesbian face like i just <laughs> really, i see that and i love that <laughs> i really embraced lesbian lesbian culture i loved lesbian music and i didn't even know it i just loved like powerful strong women and like 
Melissa Etheridge for me was like it's insane. she was that that was like all that we had yeah there was just like a handful and of Katie women. Lang of course and Katie Lang who uh cool. <laughs> we will definitely definitely talk about in this relationship um <laughs> but yeah I mean I just I loved her I loved um that third album the yes i am album with like you mm-hmm. know come to my window and um, yeah like all of her like, most iconic songs like for, i just i literally used to just like bang around a, a tambourine in my living room and like dance around to it like i loved i loved <laughs> Melissa etheridge <laughs> yeah so and also she was sort of like um again if you're in the facebook group it's obvious but i don't assume that everybody that listens to this does and um uh in the middle my wife and in the middle of trying to get her pregnant through an anonymous sperm donor. So researching, she was one of the first people with her and Julie, I'm sure we'll talk about that. And then, um, her and Tammy, of course, like she's, she was one of the first people she got pregnant and revealed that David Crosby was a sperm donor. Like everybody like freaked out, like what the fuck, how do lesbians do this? Um, so it did help sort of get that dialogue going. Yeah. I mean, like, when you told me that you guys were doing that, I was just like, I obviously couldn't help but, like, compare the two when I was reading this. And I was like, wow, this is so crazy that, like, this long uh-huh. ago, you know, at this time, that was just so mind-blowing. Like you said, like, the whole world was just like, this is fucking wild. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was so pioneering. And now it's just so common. And, like, especially on television and, like, in film, it's just, like, it's not even something that you would think twice about. But I remember yeah. even when I was I mean- younger, it was a huge deal. You'd be surprised, though. Like, people are still very, like, so how are you guys doing this? And even people were like, how do you buy sperm online? And it's like, uh, <laughs> you can get, like, like, sperm banks aren't, sperm banks aren't new. Like, they're not, like, an actual physical bank that you go and, like, make a deposit or a withdrawal. Like, <laughs> you, you don't have, like, a debit card where you, like, get a deposit of sperm. Um, so, but it, it's, like, it's really, it's really, I know that she used a known donor and an anonymous donor. We wrote the anonymous rock because it's a lot less I mean, it's also expensive, but it's a lot less mean. Like, you have to, like, quarantine the donor sperm for six months to make sure it doesn't have all these, like... It's just a whole big thing that I didn't know about either. Um, But, yeah, it's just... The whole thing is just wild. The whole thing... But people... Yeah, it's still not completely... uh, Gay reproduction is still... It's still very pioneering. Yeah, and, like... I also, too, I guess we should start by saying at the very beginning of this podcast that you may not know, like, if you don't know a lot about this relationship, you may not know who Tammy Lynn Michaels is. Um, but I promise you, by the time this is over, yeah. like, you will be Googling her. She is totally. literally, like, I am obsessed with this woman. I yeah, never knew that I was missing her in my life. Yeah, and I mean, I remember when this breakup was happening, I had friends that were, this is LA gay relationships, um, I had friends who were the editors of the then only lesbian website really after Erwin, so they were, you know, Tammy was kind of like in that circle, she was like on the L word for it, and you know, the community's fairly small out here in Los Angeles, and we were sort of hearing this like, oh my gosh, like you have to look on Tammy's blog, because it's all been scrubbed, but at the time of the breakup, they, she was like writing all these poems and sort of just like basically like journaling her emotions and feelings and kind of like releasing a lot of gossip about this breakup that we sort of have to piece together with all crumbs because she 
got a little bit saner and scrubbed that. Like if you look at her blog, it's like 2007 to 2015. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that wasn't always the case. And back then I wish I'd been as abreast about screen grabs and knowing that everything could disappear in a second. <laughs> yeah. And like the greatest, which like I wrote so many of her poems down, but like the greatest thing about her poetry is it's very like, like, you know, I'm not one to debate a person's art, right. um, but I'm using poem in quotes. It's literally yes. just spoken word. And it's, it's like she'll in, in the same poem, she'll go from like just speaking regularly as if she's mm-hmm. writing a blog post to then speaking like in like beats. Like, yep, it's this very it's really interesting. And I, I was like, I'll just save it because I wrote a lot of them down and they're, some of her poems are fucking iconic. They are so good. She's a real gift. She is a real gift. And some people might, I'm guessing a bunch of EVPs are probably familiar with the show popular. Mm -hmm. And she was on that and it was her kind of only claim to fame before Melissa, which is, which is, yeah, it's like, she was on one season of a show and it's like, she, you know, gave up her career to be in this relationship, but I guess we should just kind of like officially get into it then. I'm like, super excited. Yeah. all right. Um, so they started dating in May of, of, in May of 2001 and they got engaged in April of 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like a, is, and I mean, I mean, maybe you're looking at like a hetero level, but you're saying that lesbians just kind of like jump in like two years of dating before they'll get engaged. That's like an incredibly long time in lesbian timelines. Oh I no, said, yeah. I mean, that's definitely not you, Holland, as you were describing it earlier. <laughs> and they were together for like ten straight years too. Melissa was in yeah. both her relationships for ten years. Yeah, she was with Julie, whom she had the two kids with David Crosby's sperm. And Julie had those kids, and Melissa adopted those. And she broke up with Julie, got with Tammy. Yeah, no, I was only saying that because Tammy alleges, which we'll get into, that like oh, Melissa with, with, uh, with yeah with Linda yeah that like she yeah, 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 is yeah, like yeah. kind of like a home wrecker in the sense that she like moves in on people's relationships when they're not done. Oh um, no, yeah, there's 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 um there's some sketchy timeline stuff with that for sure. Yeah, and like you know, Melissa is uh she's never even really denied it. I mean, like, nope. she's just kind of like, that's just, you know, it is what it, it is. What it is. And you, you know, know, I like that she, I like that she's irresistible to women. I really like the journey for her. I like that too. And I like that she knows it. I love a, I love a woman yeah. that knows, you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> um, but they ended up separating in April of 2010 and then they were legally divorced in 2012. Um, and this is known. I mean, I guess like if you were to Google, like a countdown list of like the most tumultuous celebrity, uh, divorces, like I think this oh, would this definitely, yeah, it would rank like at least between one and three because this is like oh. insane, yeah. mm-hmm. super, super, super public. Like, and it, you know, at the very beginning, it was never really meant to be. Like, it seemed like they were gonna kind of handle things privately, and then all hell just broke loose, and yeah, shit got buck and crazy. And that is the shit that I cannot wait to get to. It's gonna be so good. And we do have to credit Tammy for a lot of that. Absolutely. Melissa seemed to kind of want to try and keep things private, and Tammy was like, nah. She's like, nah. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tammy was, first of all, I also just want to state that I love saying the name Tammy Lynn. It's, it's fun. 
it's just it rolls off the tongue. Tammy Lynn. Tammy Lynn. Um, she was also, you know, she stuck with Melissa during her battle with breast cancer. And, um, you know, they very famously, after they broke up, like trashed each other in the press. And like we mentioned earlier, she had this really iconic blog <laughs> called Hollywood Farm Girl. Hollywood Farm Girl. <laughs> I mean, hollywoodfarmgirl.blogspot.com. I think it's still up as hollywoodfarmgirl.com now, but it was definitely a full on blogspot meeting and it was daily reading. Oh my God. Like it would just jump from like, you know, some of the posts were blog posts about her day or about her life or her past. And then mm-hmm. she would do like really intense poems about how she was feeling or about her relationship or like her children. Um, it was really, really just raw and she didn't hold back and it was incredible. And like you said earlier, like a lot of it's been deleted, but you know, there's still little, little clips and remnants of it on the internet. Thank mm-hmm. God. And, and this was even sort of like pre, I know right now we're in like the immediate screen of Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, but this was back when like you could only be on Facebook if you were a college student and I think people were still having like tawny dramas. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like the, the fact that she was, this was kind of more of like a live journal. Yeah. Um, but she was sort of like if she had Twitter back then, her feed would have been incredible, and all those little lines would have been tweets. Yeah, all of her it would have beats. probably looked a little bit like Cher's Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The way that I wrote down in my notes, the only way that I could describe her poems, if you don't read them yourself, is that they're the kind of poems that you would imagine people to snap to. Exactly. <laughs> like, like white pe- white person doing spoken word. Yeah. And like Williamsburg and people being like, that was beautiful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they remind me know. of like Doug Funny's like sister. Do you remember in Doug when Doug's sister was like a, a beat poet? Oh yeah. <laughs> and like everybody would snap their like applause. Like that's yes. what her poems sound like. And I wouldn't want anything more or less from them. Exactly. Um, and like one of the biggest stories that come out of this relationship was, um, the fact that after, you know, it had been declared that, you know, Melissa was going to pay her all this money and alimony and stuff. Like it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. She said (laughs) she was not able to live. Look, oh, she knows her worth. And she knew that that moment that $25,000 a month was not enough. I mean, to be fair, it was 23,000 a month. Yeah, true. That's like, very true. It was very like true. ten grand in spousal support, and then like thirteen for the kids. So that's like, like seven and a half, seven and a half grand a kid a week. How do you I, get groceries? I I don't know. I mean, how? I I have no clue how you pay for groceries. How you get them to school? How I, I don't know. It sounds like a really hard life. So anyway, yeah, Michael's nose are worth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know. Something that you and I spoke about before we started re- recording this podcast is like, I typically when I record this, I'm able to like pick up just on the the articles that I read about like the media's perception of the person. And mm-hmm. obviously in this particular case, like, you know, Tammy was definitely written about as like the villain. She was like the yes. money hungry, mean, like out for revenge, psychotic ex of like this yeah. person who was like, you know, 
an icon and battled cancer and like it was you know it was the villain versus the good guy but like totally it was it was um you know if you're looking at sort of it, it was definitely portrayed in sort of that's one of the things i find interesting about this relationship is that it sort of got consumed in the tabloid sphere like a straight couple would which was kind of rare. Yeah. Um, it was before like Samro and Lilo and all like the Ellen and Porsche. I mean, I think you, well, you did Anne Heche and Ellen. Yeah. And that was like the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I you're screamed right. when you published that one. It was like, ah! <laughs> but, um, no, but like Melissa was definitely like strong, powerful one who, you know, like battled cancer and, and <laughs> Tammy just got the shit stick at it. Yeah, she got an absolute shit stick at it. And like, you know, what's it's interesting that you brought up that they got like sort of the straight couple edit because like when I was going back and reading all that stuff about um, you know, Anne and Ellen, like it was very much handled like as if it was the first time that any of these publications had ever spoken about anything like this. Like it was mm-hmm. you know, it was they very, don't know how to, yeah. Yeah, they didn't know how to handle it or cover it. They didn't know who to blame. Obviously mm-hmm. Anne just like got the blame because it was easy to blame like Well the yeah, I mean woman. really you blame Celestia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's and Celestia's like, fault. And all she's doing is trying to deliver a message that she got from a spaceship. It's like you know Oh my reason? gosh. Call Me Crazy is such a good memoir. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um but I guess we can kind of start by talking about Melissa and just uh what she was doing in the 90s and what impact she had on our lives and all that good stuff. Okay. Um I refer to Melissa as the whisperer because I feel like she's the person that a lot of people, especially in the nineties would like come out to, you know, or like, yes. she knew everybody's dirty laundry. She knew everybody in Hollywood who was gay. And she's written about how, you know, a lot of people will come to her even now and apologize that they can't come out or that they're too afraid to. Mm-hmm. Um, they legitimately apologize to her. Like they reach out to her and say, I'm sorry, I won't come out of the closet. I'm too scared. Like as if they owe her an apology, which like you do. Cause Melissa is a goddamn <laughs> queen. She's a legend. Yeah. She's a living legend for sure. She is an absolute living legend. And like, you know, I just, I've said this before, but I just imagine in the 90s, these like amazing like parties with people like Ellen and Mm -hmm. Rosie O'Donnell where they just like hang out and like they're like free to just like get drunk and like have fun and you know i just picture it being like a nice that's what like, lesbians do we just get drunk and have fun <laughs> <laughs> behind closed doors it's wild like i picture a yaya sisterhood in the 90s of these women just being like let's be fucking three in this mansion yes like, like smoking weed and hell harmonizing <laughs> yes you know that they're like you know that melissa's fucking strumming a ditty on the guitar uh-huh. lang is like fucking just like freestyling lyrics ellen is dancing you know like, that like, it's like laurel canyon all over again <laughs> <laughs> and then they obviously go outside with scars and spin around that's what's that's what exactly what happens um that's funny. <laughs> yeah but i read this really interesting article in melissa's bio about when she went on the road to promote her promote her first album and she did this interview uh, with the Heartland voice. And, uh, she said, people think I'm really sad or really angry, but my songs are written about the conflict I had with myself. Mm-hmm. And she said, I have no anger towards anyone but me. 
and the guy who was interviewing her wrote about how when he this is like before she was like officially out and he wrote about how when he went to go view her show after the interview he was really confused as to why there were so many women in the audience and like he was one of like four men in the entire stadium and he was like what's going on (laughs) wait not everywhere in the world is overruled by toxic men tell me more about this magical universe and can I go there today he's like why am I not He's like, why am I a minority here? Huh? <laughs> there are very few places for lesbians to go back then and now. So yeah. it's, I mean, yeah, it's like going to an Indigo Girls concert too. This is the other really weird thing about, again, I, I'm, there's going to be so many comparisons drawn with her and Ellie because mm-hmm. it was like around the same time. But like, all lesbians are the same. No, I'm kidding. No, it was around <laughs> the same time. <laughs> no, but like Ellen, you know, she was like out to her friends and to her community and to the people Mm -hmm. in the town and to the bars that she performed at. Like Ellen was not closeted. That's the weird thing about, you know, she was closeted in the sense that she wasn't like on the cover of fucking time magazine yet. And gay, but like she wasn't closeted and like Melissa wasn't closeted either. She was performing at lesbian clubs. She Mm -hmm. like tried to get, uh, tried to get signed to a lesbian record label. Like all of her songs were about women. Mm hmm. It's just interesting that people have this, like, this perception that these women were, like, hiding who they were before they, you know, before fame. And it's like, no. Right. It just wasn't, like, advertised because lesbians aren't really considered, like, a a target market or almost like a demographic worth reaching for at all. Yeah. And, And that's still the case. I mean, the reason that so many lesbians drive Subarus is because Subaru was the only car company that advertises to lesbians and thus it's the lesbian car because we respond to, I I drive an Acura. (laughs) But um, I mean, it is, it is, that's a very true and sad statistic. Yeah. I mean, there's truth in cliches. That's what they Mm -hmm. always say, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I also read too, which was really interesting that when she did, send out her demos to Olivia records, which was the lesbian record label that Mm -hmm. they turned her down and she framed their letter and still has right. it and like put it in her uh documentary that like okay the lesbian record label was like mm, we're gonna pass no. it you. No yeah. you. you're not pioneering enough no the, the, the divisiveness in our own community <laughs> our, our permanent downfall um but she ended up becoming friends with her big break was she became friends with these like women the couple girls that were on a soccer team, one of them was married to this guy named Bill uh, Leopold, and Bill worked as a music business manager, and he ended up getting her a record deal with Island Records. Um, and, like... Which is still around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Olivia is not. Yeah, who, exactly. I was like, Olivia Records, like, am I supposed I know. to know? Is this still around? Like, I thought that was really interesting. Totally. We need to do a separate podcast specifically on Olivia Records. On Olivia Records. Because <laughs> I need to know all the ins and outs. And like, Writing that down. Olivia Records. Totally. <laughs> and like, did turning Melissa Etheridge down, was that your downfall, Olivia? Seriously, are they, is Olivia still like, no? Yeah, yeah. They're like sending letters to her to try and get her to sign. Yeah, exactly. She's like, no, I still have your first letter. Cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, Melissa, like I said, was one of those people that, you know, she was sort of, 
yanked out of the closet in a sense like it was like everything that you read about her when she started to become famous was like is she gay is there a man in her life is she right you know the rumor is true is she a lesbian is it true blah 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 and like she was kind of forced to kind of address it um she this was another weird thing that i didn't know about melissa etheridge because i was super young when i mean i was literally not even i I was born when her first single came out um in my mind like her album yes i am would like come to my window and stuff is like her first album like for me that was definitely like was her that was when she became commercially that was when like her commercial crossover happened that was like her third album isn't that weird Mm -hmm. yeah artists these days don't get that um the privilege of having that amount of longevity to really like build and hone their craft if you will yeah it's sad it's like way more singles based now those songs are such bangers though oh my god dude. what do the kids say they slap no they don't really slap <laughs> <laughs> window slaps said no one ever <laughs> don't ask me i have no idea what the kids say all i know is what like unless an old jewish woman says it i'd have no idea what it is um so yeah she had the her first album her first i guess single was called bring me some water i went back and listened to it after we decided we were gonna do this i didn't know any Uh of these old songs um she was nominated for a grammy she had like moderate success i mean for a normal person it would be um you know career i mean katie perry still doesn't have a goddamn grammy you know she won got one her first her first single but like she's so iconic that winning a grammy wasn't like like that's like a slump in her career (laughs) right yeah exactly um but then she released yes i am her third album um it spent 136 weeks on the billboard top 200 and i mean her legacy truthfully is the song come to my window like it is you know that song well that and i'm the only one i'm the only one yeah we're like help the album go six times platinum i mean like, and if if i'm if i'm the only one is just such a gay anthem too oh <laughs> like, my god every single lyric i mean come to my window all of them but it's 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 interesting and nice that i mean you were saying before about how you know it, it was weird that melissa and ellen sort of like had to come out because it was just sort of understood mm-hmm. and known like straight people don't have to come out it's just kind of understood yeah. So it's weird that, that, you know, us as LGBTQ people have to do that extra step and be like, oh, no, no, you were right. You were right. You don't have to stop talking about me behind my back. <laughs> no, I know. That's like one of the things I actually just had this conversation recently with one of my friends. And like, she was asking me about like, she's like, so what was it like for you when you came out? <clears throat> and I was like, well, I mean, I literally come out like every day. <laughs> like at this point, I don't right. even really remember that feeling. I mean, of course, right. I remember the the big monumental moments of like telling my mom and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I have to come out every single time I speak to right. somebody new, mm-hmm. just in hopes that I mean, you know, in hopes that they'll just either pick up on it or like, if you have to say it, it's like awkward. It's like a whole thing that never really goes away. Oh yeah, no. When um people when I say I'm married, people assume oh what who has been? I'm like well, my wife is mean, but uh, there's yeah the the norms are still there and yeah <laughs> I even have to be careful with assuming that you know those old like like a doctor's a man and versus a woman like somebody was like well I'm gonna go see a doctor and, he, and I was like wait why did I say he that yeah. could be women as well but I even have to check myself doing that sort of stuff you know it's hard it's like. 
there's so much like uh societal abuse that like is in your own mind you know what mm-hmm. i mean that you don't even yeah. realize it's it's like really sad but yeah i mean i couldn't imagine what it would feel like to be you know especially at this time in the 90s when you know the media was so politically incorrect and just so sort of brutal and unapologetically ignorant and like not willing to learn or yeah you know figure things out experience or ex- ex- be open to new experiences or anything to mm-hmm. just be basically kicked out of the closet like that and then ridiculed i mean the other really weird thing too is like melissa had such a like a a wonderful sort of experience like she was immediately embraced and became sort of like the face of the gay community for a little while in the 90s right you guys i hate to cut you off but at this point i think you know the drill you've got to be a patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode so go to patreon.com slash eb psychos at that point you will uh be asked to donate and then when you donate at this level you'll get this podcast you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.